Hello, and welcome to Short Takes on Tech, the podcast that brings you quick insights into the latest innovations in the produce and floral industry. I'm your host, Vani Estes, the VP of Innovation at the International Fresh Produce Association. We're thrilled to kick off a special season recorded live at the Global Produce and Floral Show in Anaheim last October. Picture this, the vibrant atmosphere of the trade show, the podcast booth located right by registration, and the unmistakable buzz of excitement from industry professionals. It was an incredible experience, and we've captured the essence of it in this season. Throughout the upcoming episodes, we'll be sharing two to four interviews in each episode featuring discussion with experts from new companies and pioneers in cutting edge technologies within the industry. These bite-sized conversations are designed to give you quick glimpses into the companies solving our biggest problems in the produce and floral industry. Feel free to skip around and explore the topics that pique your interest. Each interview is approximately 10 minutes long, making it easy for you to stay informed in the midst of your busy schedule. So whether you're a seasoned professional in the field or just curious about the latest developments, we've got something for everyone in this season. Thank you for joining us on Short Takes on Tech. Let's dive into the world of innovation and discovery together. Stay tuned for insights that could shape the future of the produce and floral industry. Welcome tech enthusiasts to this premiere episode of Short Takes on Tech. I'm your host, Vani Estes, Vice President of Innovation at the International Press Produce Association. In today's episode, we're putting the spotlight on the groundbreaking Fresh Field Catalyst Accelerator Program. This initiative brings 12 innovative companies into the produce industry, each with products poised for commercialization within one to two years. Navigating the vast landscape of our industry can be overwhelming, but fear not. The Accelerator Program gives an on-ramp to cutting-edge technology to tackle our most significant challenges. The first clip of this podcast is an interview that I did with the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. It's a delightful conversation about the Accelerator Program offering insights into its purpose and impact. If you're eager to learn more, feel free to just skip ahead to about the 15-minute mark to hear from two companies. First up, we have Julian Godding from Garden sharing his experience as one of the pioneering companies in the Freshfield Catalyst program. Following that, we'll hear from Brandon Contino of Four Growers, another trailblazing participant in the Accelerator. Let's get started. Here we are, Bonnie. Every day we talk on this podcast about sort of all things ag tech, but because I'm a storyteller at heart, I love to know people's backstories. You've had an amazing career with companies like Monsanto, Emergent Genetics, Syngenta, DuPont, as well as a long list of board positions at prominent technology companies. What led you to this point in time? How did you get here? How did you get it all started? I wish I could tell you it was like this grand plan. And I knew since I was a child that I was going to go down this path, but it was a lot of serendipity. I really was very interested in agriculture. I didn't, my dad was in the military, so I didn't grow up on a farm, but I was always interested and always had a big garden. And so got my undergraduate degree in horticulture from New Mexico State and realized I couldn't live on any job I could get with that degree. 
And so went to UC Davis and got my master's in plant pathology. And then that was right at the time when a lot of biotech companies were getting going. And I was just really excited about technology in agriculture and how we could use technology to produce food more sustainably and in a more interesting way. And so that's kind of been the through line through all of the different jobs that I've had. And I tend to be a little bit of a, oh, there's another shiny penny kind of person where I you know, see the next technology and I want to go work on that. And so that's kind of kept me hopping and working on a lot of different technologies. But the main point is just how can we grow food better for better nutrition and a healthier planet? So Bonnie, I'm really interested about something you said there around how technology can help with the production of food sustainably. Let's just chat about something that I'm really interested in, which is the uh, Fresh Field Catalyst Accelerator by IFPA. So how did that program come to be and why did you take the approach of looking sort of outside, outside the industry to solve some of these challenges? Well, like everything else I've just said, it it wasn't a long planned out thing. So Max Toplitsky, the chief science officer at IFPA, and I were talking kind of in the middle of COVID, like we need to do something else. What else are we going to do? So the podcast came out of that conversation. That was a new thing that we tried. And then a little bit later, we were talking about, you know, so what else should we do? And I started, I've worked with a number of incubators in, in biotech and in ag as well, and just worked with very early stage technology and then sometimes later stage technologies. But the gap that I really saw was that there are companies that have technology, but especially in the produce industry, as much as we love ourselves, we're kind of opaque. Like if you're from outside the industry and you say like, how do I bring a product into blueberries and leafy greens and almonds and they're spread all over and all these families... What I really saw was this gap of a lot of the technologies were not coming into produce because it just looked too complicated. And any funder, any venture capitalist would say, don't go there. And I saw so much in my career as well that a lot of VCs were telling startup companies to go to corn and soy because that's where the acreage and the money was. And so it was a little bit of a chip on my shoulder of like, no, you know, technology should come into produce. That's let's work on stuff that we eat, whole foods. So that for me was kind of the beginning of what can I do to kind of bridge this gap of bringing technology in, getting it onto the field? And so Max and I were having this conversation and he said, well, why don't you do an accelerator? And I had to kind of unwind my thinking about it because usually accelerators have equity and, you know, as IFPA, we can't do that. So I just kind of unwound, like, what are the expectations? And, and the main thing I wanted to do is give access to the industry, you know, put people in the room that it would normally take them 20 years to be sitting there talking to the top people in the produce industry in Salinas Valley put them in the room together, and then also just help them understand the produce industry and give them market access. So that was kind of the beginning of it. And so we kind of put the whole thing together in like two months. And so the staff at IFPA, they've forgiven me now, but they are very used to like doing events and they're excellent at doing events. But they, as soon as they finish the global show this year, like three weeks later, they're doing the global show next year. Like they're really good at planning. And so I come in and go, let's do this thing and we'll invite these people and we'll take them on buses and then we'll give them mentors and we'll do these webinars. And they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So the first year, there was a small group of us that pretty much did it ourselves, just 
kind of out of commitment and love. And now this year, we're on our second year. Our second class graduates at the Global Show in October. And I got so much support from the rest of the organization this year, which has just made the program better and better. So that's the origin story of it. I, I can go into more details of what we provide and stuff. I love it. And Melinda, I don't know about you. We were obviously at the at Global Show last year and uh, our booth, Zag's booth, was quite near the accelerator and had some great conversations with folks that we've sort of continued through to this day. Oh, so a, a really remarkable initiative. Congratulations on that. But uh, Melinda, I think you probably have a question. I do. So it was really interesting, your view on, right, how do we bring outsiders into the industry? Everybody's looking at corn and soybeans. A few weeks ago, we spoke to Dennis Donahue. Mm -hmm. uh, with Western Growers Innovation Center. And he kind of said the same thing. Like we need to go out and find people that are interested in fresh produce. And if they're not interested in fresh produce, we need to help them understand why they should be. So our industry can be a little insular. Like we have challenges that although they're universal to ag, in many ways, they're unique to fresh produce. Mm -hmm. So how do you identify a problem when you're looking at tech and what type of startups are you looking for? What type of companies are you working with now that you've brought in based on helping them understand fresh produce and our challenges? Last year, we, the first year we were, we just kind of put a request out there and said, anybody apply. And we looked through them and we got a certain group. But this year and probably going forward, we're more specifically looking at climate smart agriculture. We got a large grant through the USDA that we're spending a lot of time looking at it. So most of the stuff that I'm looking at now is going to be through that lens. But honestly, if there's a technology company that can't tie their product to climate smart, they probably shouldn't be doing it anyway. I mean, there might be some supply chain things or something, but most companies and technologies. And so that was kind of the lens that we looked through this year in the 12 companies that we picked is, is something around that kind of the climate smart area. And we kind of leave it up to them to convince us. The application is super simple. It's, it takes like 15 minutes. No one has to do a video. It's, you know, we, we try to keep that barrier very low of applying, but they kind of have to tell us what their problem product would do in our industry as best they can. And we really want technology that is kind of ready to trial right away and would be ready to go into the field within two years as a product, because that's where I want the accelerator to sit is that we're really getting technology into the field. There's a lot of people that work on early stage, but I want to work on that, help them get into the field, think about go-to-market strategies, who, who they're going to be selling to, getting trialing done. And that's the stage that we look at of companies. Interesting. So although they're still quite early stage businesses, they're a little more progressed than just obviously an idea. They've got some technology and perhaps they're doing some testing in the field and so forth. I think you were saying I am um, just to add one thing to that. My early yeah. thought was is there technology like in other completely other industries like cars or banking or something like that? And my early thought when we first started this is are there solutions that are already out there that are not even in agriculture at all and could we bring them over? That still may be true, but I don't know how to find them. And so I'm I'm open to any ideas on that because that's not where I live. So that's been kind of hard, but I'm still open to, you know, having Microsoft go through the accelerator with testing one thing idea that they had, you know, I'm still open to looking at other things. But right now, it's like you said, it's kind of that stage of they're a little further along and with a product. 
I think it's interesting that you said that and how do you find them? And I don't know what that answer is, but I was just at a generative AI conference a couple months ago and there was a person there from Amazon who works on generative AI as it relates to food and their algorithms. And she had come out of the banking industry. Like she had built the some of the early customer service AI algorithms for the banking industry. And she was fascinating to listen to. And you just know that there are tons of ways to bring all this technology together, but how do we find them and where are the right places to be? I mean, you know, look, I've founded two businesses myself, both startups, oh. and the road is hard and long. And so 12 months, sometimes a huge amount can happen and other times you're still just grinding it out. So yeah, anyways, you said you may have some, some success. Yeah, it's interesting because of course we need to be able to justify the program and show all the amazing things that have happened because of people being in the program. I started looking, you know, as the board started asking these questions, which are the right questions to ask because I spent a lot of time on it. I started Googling like other accelerators and like, what are KPIs that other people have and what should I be looking for and how? And a lot of it is you have to track the data to be able to then say, this is what it was in the beginning and this is what it was at the end and things like sales and stuff like that. They may not want to tell you all that, but most accelerators say it's usually five years from the time a company is in an accelerator to when you can really see. So with that in mind, <laughs> I'm just trying, I am in the process right now of trying to think about what data should I track to show? And I think certainly if they get funded, that's great, but I don't spend a lot of time. Like I will look at their pitch decks and, and help them, but that's not part of the program, you know? So I will introduce them to investors if I know them, but that's not the the main part of the program. The main part of the program is we're immersing you in the industry. So things like trial and sales and those types of things are, are what I'm interested in. And also go to market strategy and, and just different things like that. So a couple of just stories that I've got to somehow turn into KPIs. We One thing that we do in the program is Max does a four-part series of how to apply for a grant. And he takes people through, like they, he said, you come with an idea. This isn't like, I'm not teaching, you know, professor style, like you are filling out the grant application. And he is super good at it. Like we've gotten three grants recently at IFPA because he speaks the language used to work at USDA. So we've, we had one company that got a grant last year for a million dollars, which is great. And so that's non-dilutive funding, helps them continue going. We had one company that was in the accelerator last year. They ended up doing a test market with a big distributor that they wouldn't have met, you know, had they not been in the program. Another company that was in the program this year, we were out in the field and just by him talking to a number of growers who were late planting because of the floods this year, they changed one of their strategies of the company of saying, we could actually grow transplants. And they were a vertical farm company and they said, well, we could grow transplants transplants. And that's a part of our business we hadn't even thought of. So those are the types of things that happen and the magic. And one part of that, we do an immersion week where this we went to see 15 different companies from LA to San Francisco. We wore these people out on the bus. And so you just get to see all different parts of the supply chain. And it is, you just, you walk away from that week, just loving our industry so much. And then we also pair everyone up with a mentor, which are very senior people from like Taylor Farms and Driscoll's and Broad 
Gaga and really senior people in these companies that introduce that work with people in the accelerator and introduce them. You know, a lot of it is just what problem are you trying to solve? Let me introduce you to this person. Let me introduce you to that person. And so the mentor program is super helpful as well. So we have a lot of stories about, oh, I would have never met this person or, oh, I never would have made that sale or, oh, I never would have thought about this go-to-market strategy. But it's very hard to quantify them, but we have tons of stories, you know, so I'm that's a work in progress. It's so fun. And it is it is amazing just to get out there and, and you get these people that want to talk about technology and you get everybody together. And we were out in the field and there was a cilantro harvester and there's, you know, all the robotics guys in the program are like, well, have you thought, you know, they're like solving problems. And, you know, it, it's very, it's very cool. And it's just, it's fun to see that magic and then get out in the field and, and see the problems. Because that's, that's what they're, we're there to talk to them about. Like, what are the problems that you're having trouble solving? So I'm curious about that. So you're bringing like tech people, right? Who may not have ag background, but they might be engineers. They might be tech people. They're seeing a problem for the first time and they're interacting and starting to come up with ideas. Vice versa, how does the farm or the workers or any of that C-suite at those farms who's interacting with them, how do they respond to that and engage at that level to really start providing the reverse engineer of that, right? Like Rob just mentioned his, what if his mentors, Andy Tudor, is very clear always, like, how do you expect to help if you don't understand how they grow? Yeah, that's very true. So yeah, I think they definitely, the producers and the the field people and the people that we talk to, like very engaged and the mentors as well. I mean, I've talked to a lot of the mentors that have said, you know, I learned as much from my mentee as they learned from me. And so I think it's, I've had a number of people really appreciate the program in the produce industry because we vet them, you know, like, you know, a lot of these companies, you know, like Taylor and Driscoll's like, hey, everybody wants to talk to Taylor and Driscoll's. And so everyone's knocking on their doors and and sure, some of them are really good, but they don't have time to talk to everybody. So we bring 12 at once and they introduce themselves. And if there's some spark and something that they need, they work together. So that's what we're hearing from the industry as well. Not just the farms that we visit, but other people in the industry that are part of the program. It is kind of a vetting process that we bring in technologies that we think are important to the industry and companies that we have a reason to believe are going to be successful. That makes sense. So, Bonnie, I'm getting a, a little bit excited, although you wouldn't tell by my monotone delivery here. So if the, if the next great tech entrepreneur is out there listening to this, how can they learn a little bit more about the program? They can get in touch with me. LinkedIn is a good way or, you know, from our website. And the next program that we do for the accelerator, we usually we run the programs from the immersion week, which next year will be early June through the global show, which is late October. That's kind of the so it's an amazing amount of work that gets done without a lot of time and demands from the entrepreneur. So they can apply. Probably we'll open applications in February. The best way to kind of know when we do that is just follow me on LinkedIn and I'm very loud about it and look at our website, IFP's website, and it'll have information about it. And then we go through a process of choosing and we'll probably choose in April and then the immersion program will start in June. Hi, I'm Bonnie Estes and we are doing Fresh Takes on Tech podcast at the Global Show in Anaheim. And I'm really excited to have a number of people that were in the Freshfield Catalyst Accelerator this year. And Julian is another one that was in the Catalyst. So really excited to have you here. And why don't you tell us about yourself and about your company and your products and what you're working on? 
Yeah, very happy to be here. And nice to see you again, Bonnie. Uh, so my name's Julian. I'm the lead data scientist at Garden. And what we're trying to do at Garden is pioneer an entirely new way of growing that's based around the plant. And it's growing driven by the plant. And what I mean by that is we've made a sensor that measures the photosynthetic efficiency of plants in real time. And we've done it, we're using an affordable sensor that's a first of its kind that allows us to deploy this sensor in commercial greenhouses. And it gives feedback to the growers instantaneously over how healthy their plants are. And they then use that to understand how best to control their climate in indoor farming to improve the plant's efficiency to grow. So is it on an app or is it a dashboard or what? Yeah, so we have the sensor here, which is the hardware that we install in a greenhouse or a indoor farm of any kind. And it uses a computer vision to autonomously find plants to measure. And then it sends out a light pulse. And based on the plant response, we'll understand how efficiently it's photosynthesizing. We then process that data in the cloud and get insights that we then show to the grower through a software and they then use our platform to help drive their decision-making. So it's hardware-enabled software. So is it different for different kinds of crops or is it all, it's pretty steady across different kinds of crops? Yeah, so one of the kind of magical things about the technique that we're using, which is called chlorophyll fluorescence, is that it works for basically any species because we're just measuring chlorophyll. And so anything that photosynthesizes has chlorophyll and reacts in the same way. And it's kind of remarkable. There's basically an, a specific number at which a healthy plant will photosynthesize. And that's common across all species. And so we can use the same data and the same analytics to drive the decision making, regardless of what species you're using. Huh, fascinating. What, what species have you been working on predominantly? Yeah, so we've established ourselves in a number of different species, lettuce, tomatoes, a lot of leafy greens, strawberries. We've actually done some interesting stuff in orchids as well. So orchids have CAM photosynthesis rather than C3 and C4 mechanisms. So it's a slightly different way of photosynthesizing. And our technology is really useful for that because what happens is the plants basically store CO2 during the day and it eventually during the night and it runs out during the day. And we can find the specific point at which it runs out. And at that point, the growers then need to increase the shading, increase the CO2 concentration. And we know the exact minute when that happens. And before, they had no idea, and they're just guessing. And so that's how we're trying to really change the mindset of growers, where they're not basing their actions on experience. They're using actual data from the plant to say, this is what it needs right now. That's fascinating. So it, how many of these sensors does an operation need? Yeah, so we typically will have a sample of, of sensors in a greenhouse. So typically we say about three in a hectare. And that allows us to sample hundreds of plants, hundreds of leaves in the area that a grower will typically make a decision. So they might change the temperature or the humidity or the irrigation on around like a hectare level. Where are you commercial? Have you commercialized in the UK or? Yeah, so we've established ourselves in the UK and Europe. So the Netherlands is obviously a, lead, a leader in indoor glasshouse horticulture. So we've been there a lot. We have customers there in France as well. And now through the IFPA, that's helped us sort of break into North America. So that's what we're doing now. And yes, what we're really excited about this show is to 
keep driving that forward. Um, yeah. Great lead into my next question. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about your experience in the accelerator and what did you like about it and what kinds of things did you learn that you were able to apply to your business? Yeah, it's been really great. The immersion week was awesome. I don't come from an agricultural background. And so just seeing the whole value chain from start to finish was invaluable in just understanding where the different like areas of value are in agriculture and in, in fresh produce. And also I have a, an amazing mentor. So he's really helped us develop our value proposition. And he has that, you know, really deep knowledge of the sector. I think he's worked in it his, you know, his entire career that has brought a huge amount to our company in terms of yeah, deciding pricing structures and value propositions and value creation. Yeah. So oh, that's great. That's been great. Yeah. It's interesting just to see the differences between the different areas. Are you selling through a distributor in Europe or are you selling direct? Or? So we do both. We've done direct sales, uh, but it's definitely very hard yeah. and very time yeah. consuming. And so we've started opening up partnerships with distributors. So one of the key areas we're focusing on is lighting because chlorophyll fluorescence is focusing on the leaves and photosynthetic efficiency. And so it's really well suited to controlling lighting. And that's both supplemental lighting with LEDs, but also shading in greenhouses where they change the light level based on the sun and what, the, what they think the plants need. And what our sensor can do is basically probe the plants to understand the exact light level that they need to operate most efficiently. And that's a game changer really for the industry because no one has known what the plants really want. And we're able to just listen to what they're saying and give them the exact light that they need. And that's really helpful in the winter when you're spending huge amounts of electricity on LEDs to understand, okay, actually having more, putting more LED light into this isn't helping the plants grow. They're just dis wasting it and dissipating it uh, as heat. And we can tell that to the grower and actually close the loop in automating that process. So what's the sales cycle like? I, you know, people get people like growers, get people like you showing up every day saying, I've got this thing, it's going to solve this problem. And mm. so do you have to do some demonstration for them or how, how does that sales cycle work? Yeah, definitely at the start, we were doing a lot of trials. It's getting to the point now where it's a product and it can be sold just as a, this is a solution. And the growers will trust other growers. Uh, and so when you have someone next door who's their mate using it, you know, you can say, well, these guys are using it, give them a call and ask them what they think. And that's really, that's what they'll tend to do. And then they say, okay, yeah, I, I, I see the value. Um, let's go for it. So I think that helps a lot, particularly when you have these network effects. Yeah. But growers in general, yeah, trust each other and they will help each other as well. So that's kind of helped us. And then in addition, these partnerships, so with lighting companies and climate companies, we're hoping to just have a bigger reach. Yeah. And are you able to predict how much money they'll save? Or is it, is it so variable depending on? Yeah, that's the hard bit. Everyone always wants a hard number on yeah. uh, ROI. It, it matters a lot where they are as a grower currently, yeah, like what so. their benchmark is, yeah. as to how much you can improve that, but also how much control they ha have over the conditions and how much they're spending on LED lighting, for example. Like 
a grower that has LED lighting versus one that doesn't will be able to have a much larger ROI when they have that extra control because we can tell them, oh, this is what your lighting should be. You're going to save you know, this much yeah. in your electrical yeah, spend. So what do you think of the show so far? It hasn't really started. The floor's not open. It's just in walking around and being here and the buzz. Yeah. What does it feel like? Uh, big, definitely big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm, I'm excited. Definitely seen some, you know, people that we're really excited to talk to. So. Oh, great. Great. And did you plan that out before you came? Like you decided? Yeah, to we had a few, a few yeah. people that we were keen to talk to. And yeah. Yeah. I hope by the end of, yeah, hopefully by the end we'll have, I'd love to leave with maybe you know, four or five greenhouses growing anything, maybe tomatoes, lettuce, uh, that are interested in our technology and we can follow up from there. Oh, excellent. Someone was telling me you can actually look on the app. You probably did this to see like who are all the greenhouses are exhibited. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I haven't done that yet because <laughs> I was wondering how many more we have this year because it seems like so many more indoor of, of all kinds, vertical and greenhouse than we've had before. Mm. So um, yeah, 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 it's great. I love that. Yeah. You know, the show's growing that way. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Julian. It's great to see you. Thanks for being part of the program. I always thought throughout the program that you asked the best questions in Immersion <laughs> Week because I think it's because, you know, you come from outside the industry. And so yeah. you would come and look at something, you know, especially from a technical point of view yeah. and ask a question and everyone else is like, well, that's the way it's done. Like we never <laughs> stop to think, well, why is it that way? So yeah, I really appreciated true. having you. Yeah. Learned so, a lot, definitely. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. So, Brandon, I will, I'm so happy to have you. Great to see you as always. And I'll turn it over to you to introduce yourself and your company. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks, Bonnie. Good to see you. So I'm the co-founder and CEO for Growers. We've built an AI-powered harvesting and analytics robot. And so today we have our systems operating in North America as well as the Netherlands in customer daily operations. Today we're picking a greenhouse-grown cherry and grape tomatoes, actually faster than even people can pick it. And we've now been able to prove that we can also do cucumbers as well. My statistic today at, at the uh, on the panel that I, so I heard on podcasts that ninety percent of snacking tomatoes are grown indoors. Do you do you know? Is there a source? Uh, I don't true? think there's a source for that. One. I think that's a little uh, too high. <laughs> okay. Yeah, which means it's great. There's a lot of room for growth, and you've seen the whole snacking tomato industry. I think really in the two thousands didn't even exist. So it's like in twenty years it went from basically nothing to I think it's like twenty five to thirty percent of all value of tomatoes are now from snacking. Wow. That's, that's high. Incredible. And now they have a way to pick them. Exactly. <laughs> a reliable, always available way. Yeah. Excellent. So you were part of the Freshfield Catalyst Accelerator program this year, and it was great to have you and great to have your involvement. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you and what parts of it were great? <laughs> yeah, the, the program was really a lot of fun, and it was a lot of really good information for us. I think when you think about all the different opportunities there are for kind of early stage companies and there's all the accelerators, all these other things you can do, I think the IFPA program has a lot of value because you're really one of the only organizations that sees the entire agricultural spectrum. And I think that was really unique for us is in the trips we got to do and all the different uh, pieces of the industry as well as all the different types of crops that we got to visit in person was really informative for us to start to look uh, broader outside of just kind of the greenhouse space where we began, because we always knew that the core technology we built was applicable to a lot more than just greenhouse. And so being able to meet some of these growers, see the crop in action, and understanding their pain points was very valuable to us in terms of informing product roadmap and just having a better understanding uh, of the entire space. 
Is there an example you can think of of something that you learned that is going to change either your go-to-market strategy or the development of your product or who might help be a partner in selling or anything like that? Yeah, so we had kind of an idea of what we thought could be possible in terms of how we wanted to take the direction of the product. We really foresee there's almost two different generations or two different versions of our core technology being applied in the field. For one is kind of more vertical grown crops. So when I say vertical, not vertical farming, but vertical as in like vertical plains. So kind of like orchards, uh, vineyards, stuff like that. And the other one was horizontal. So looking at some of the horizontal aspects. And so horizontal could be cauliflower, melons, uh, cilantro, basil. And so being able to go out into the farms, one, seeing, actually, I don't remember if we can t tell the names, but seeing one of the growers that we saw was starting to trellis lemons. Yeah. Uh, was very informative because if you have a trellised vertical crop like they've done a lot in apples, that makes automation much easier. And so to see that being done in lemons was very interesting. And then on horizontal, seeing the cilantro farm and kind of the, how difficult it is to yeah, be able to do the harvesting. Yeah, I remember you got quite excited thing. about trying to <laughs> solve that problem. <laughs> yep, being able to hop on on the, the thing that they were testing and going through the ideas of how do you uh, do the bunching. I think that was another interesting insight was for cilantro specifically, because you're really just cutting it and it's kind of a one pass, the aspect of harvesting is maybe not that challenging, but what is really challenging for them is the bunching and being able to automatically bunch it was the big pain point for them. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. They, they, one, had to cut the bottom off if it was kind of yellow or anything, and then getting it up and bunching it, and it was a total mess, you know? Like, they, it has not been solved. <laughs> no, nope, that is for sure. <laughs> Definitely. And they need it solved. They, they yeah. really are trying to figure that one out. So what, how would you think about that, just as your, yourself as a, as a technology geek, and when you look at a problem like that, how do you think about solving something like that? Yeah, so there's always the part of me that I have to try to, try to pull back and limit, because for me on the technology side, I see all the ways I can be done. It's like, oh yes, like this way, this way, this way, and want to immediately jump in and solve it. And then I think there's the other half of me when it comes to kind of investment, growing a company where there's a fixed amount of R&D in terms of money that we have to spend. So it's always the first understanding. And your focus. Yes. yes. Yeah, we try very hard. I think that's one of our unique, I think, aspects is we're very good at being focused on a problem, but keeping the general picture in mind so that we were not over narrowing the technology. Ah. And so we can actually focus the business in a single kind of area to get traction, to really prove value. But in that design, we've done it in such a way that we can go to other crops very easily. So for instance, we were going from tomatoes to cucumbers, we were able to leverage the same special AI perception model that we built. We leveraged the same architecture and we just put in a new data set to train it. We also could re-leverage all the same hardware and we just changed the gripper to now be able to do cucumbers instead of tomatoes. Oh, wow. So how many other different crops do you plan to go into as you grow, yeah. not right away? <laughs> yeah, so we have a list now, I think, of uh, 15 different crops in greenhouse and outdoor. Can I prioritize both on the, the problem statement that the growers have, the need, how hard it is to solve, and then also the opportunity kind of value that we could provide to them. So that's just the start is the 15. I think the goal one day is you go into the grocery store and you walk through the produce aisle and everything that is there to be bought we would have had a hand in helping pick that or done some analytics to help increase the yields. Wow. So when you talk to growers, what is the major pain point? Is it labor that you're solving for or is it, what are the pain points and why would they be interested in working with you? Yeah, what we found the number one pain point is labor. And the main aspect of labor, it's, it's not what everyone kind of thinks about what you see in the news. It's not a matter of replacing labor. It's a matter of they can't find people to do the work they need. And many times what this means for the farm is they can't scale. 
And so many of these growers have the demand or the opportunity to produce more produce. They would be able to provide it to feed people more healthily, but they don't have the labor to be able to make that expansion possible. And so when they see our technology, it's really about augmenting. And so if today you can only do, these aren't exact numbers, but say, you know, 50 acres and you needed 100 people to do those 50 acres, those same 100 people you can now farm 150 acres. And so you can feed a lot more people uh, a lot more efficiently. Oh, great. So I know the show is, hasn't really even started. The floor isn't open yet. But what do you think so far of just being here and kind of the buzz? Yeah, it's exciting. I think this is my co-founder's first time at the show. And uh, he made a very kind of, I think... Uh, Great comment on your almost like it's in your grocery store. Oh. Like you're walking through and everyone has the shelves. It's like everyone has their own presentation of the product. And you're kind of looking at all the different uh, grocery aisles. In a That's way. very cool. And that'll be even more so tomorrow when they're yes. all filled. Yep. And then you can actually sample it and yeah. you can kind of buy at the grocery yeah, store. Exactly. No, it's, it's such a sensory overload, the show. I love it. So what do you hope to get out of the show? Yeah, I think for us in this show, a big part of it is uh, relationships. So there's a lot of people that we've met in the past where it's good to just catch up with old friends here, as well as uh, new friends and new potential customers. There's definitely some areas, especially when you think about the outdoor space, where we haven't formed as many of those relationships. And I think this is a show that really brings a lot of growers and, and farmers into the same area. So you are, um, as I've gotten to know you, a very thoughtful and planning type of person. So when you <laughs> thought about the show, and I know a lot of people that don't do these kinds of shows, they just show up and it's deer in the headlights and, and they don't have as productive time because they didn't think it through. So how, do you, how are you thinking about approaching the show and getting to be able to talk to the people that you want to talk to? Yeah, when it comes to shows in general, one of, the, one of the pieces of advice I was given a while ago that I've really held to is you want to kind of come in with an idea of who are the main people you want to talk to and you want to reach out beforehand to have some of those kind of core meetings already scheduled. So that way you know by default the show is going to be worthwhile and then everything else on top of that, just extra benefit. Yeah, that's great. And that's a wrap for this episode of Short Takes on Tech, recorded live at the Global Produce and Floral Show in Anaheim. We hope you enjoyed these brief but insightful glimpses into the world of innovation shaping our industry. As we close this episode, we invite you to mark your calendars and make plans to attend the 2024 show in Atlanta. It's sure to be another fantastic opportunity to connect with industry leaders, discover groundbreaking technologies, and stay at the forefront of what's happening in produce and floral. Cheers to the exciting future ahead. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to bringing you more short takes on tech in the episodes to come. Until next time, stay curious and stay innovative.